LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. If you're a church leader, you know that volunteers are busy. They're always on the go. So trying to get them into a room for training is next to impossible. The brand new version of Ministry Grid gives you the ability to meet your people where they are and train anyone, anywhere, at any time. With a new mobile-friendly design, Ministry Grid puts training in the pockets of those who need it, wherever they are and whenever it's convenient for them. Ministry Grid also offers 750 courses for every role in your church so that you can use it right out of the box or customize it by adding your own content to complement what we have already put together. To get started for free, just go to ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Now, enjoy our podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast Book Breakdown what? Edition. My name is Daniel Lim, and here is Todd Atkins. What's up? Well, man? today we have a great book. We do have a great book. We were both drooling over it. Yes. Well, like I mean, I still it's been have on my mouth. yes. I, it's been years since I first read it, but as we were reviewing it for this episode, both of us were like, "We need to reread this I just, book." I just said my weekend shot because <laughs> I will be reading the fifth discipline: the art and practice of the learning organization by Peter. You say his name because you say it better than I do. Senge. Yes. Yes. All right. So, All what right. is this book, and why does it matter? Number one. Uh, this book is about creating a learning organization. So, you know, one of the things that I'm guilty of saying all the time repeatedly and people may be tired of hearing is if you're a leader and not a learner, you have a short shelf life, Uh, especially in this day and age where everything is moving so quickly, so fast. You have to be the lead learner in your organization to lead well. And what this does is it puts it to a science. It puts it to a framework, which we love. Yeah, the tricky thing is the subtitle says the art and practice of the learning organization, but organizations can't learn. It's the people within the organization that make up the learning organization. That sounds a lot like the church, Daniel, and the proper <laughs> definition of the church. So that's how this all ties in together, folks. Ding, ding, if you want to grow ding. your church, you got to grow your people. All the one-liners we say all the time. But it's reality that the church is the people. It's the, yes, pastor, but also staff and leaders, volunteers, and yeah. just pew sitters that need to be engaged in the work of the ministry. Yeah, so just like Peter Senge writes in this book, uh, he says that non-learning organizations react whereas learning organizations look at the deeper underlying systems that generate that behavior. In other words, non-learning churches see that one Sunday they have 15 new families. And they're like, oh, how should we we connect with them? I don't even know why this happened, and this is great, but whatever we did must have worked. Whereas learning churches are the ones that are saying, oh, wow, we have 15 new families. Let's look at what led to that. Let's do feedback. Let's do. Let's connect with them. Let's see what sort of systems led to that, so that we can then repeat it, rather than hoping or that next week. It, yeah, yeah. Rather than hoping that next week, oh, you know, hopefully they'll come back again. A lot of React churches, what they end up doing is saying, "Oh, we got some new people. Things must be going awesome." But wow. So what else can we do? What else can we do to yeah. to do this? And they end up hurting themselves precisely in the long run. All right, question two, book quick hitters. Who is the author? Uh, Peter Singe. 
Sankey. You know, you know why I think I say his name properly. I, and and I ask you to ask the I'm, question. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name because it sounds really similar to my middle name. It does. Sangi. 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 Yeah, which is my Korean name. Which is your Twitter name, Daniel Sangi. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Sangi. If you ever look for Daniel M, you will find a guy who plays golf. Yes. We are doppelgangers. We're the same height, same age. He's Korean American. I'm Korean Canadian. But he plays golf the way that I want to play golf. <laughs> so I hope we can meet one day. But his name, uh, Peter Senge, if you look him up, he is a brilliant MIT professor. He's like the chair for organizational learning at the right, right. at the Sloan School of Management. I thought it was the Senge School School of Management, which might as well be eventually at MIT. Because <laughs> be. this guy is brilliant. He is brilliant. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I think listeners would know that I've been doing a lot of reading on systems thinking lately. And so this guy is also cross-referenced in a lot of systems thinking uh, textbooks and modern books about that subject. So um, I was immediately reminded of it, started to go back and look at it. And when Daniel and I were talking about, hey, what's one of the books we want to look at? Uh, this was one of mine. And then, good gracious, as soon as I started looking at it, looking at it for in preparation for this, I was digging deeper in and, man, I got to reread this. Yeah, he is the modern day godfather on this stuff. That's who's still living. He is 71 and he lives in Stanford, California, apparently. So he's now the senior lecturer at the MIT. We should try to get him on. We should. Oh, I bet he would do it. Yeah. Especially after we talk about this. We should. We okay. Should. All right. Who is this book written for? So when Not you look us. At, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's written for us. It ri is written for us, but when uh, he wrote this book, I can guarantee you he didn't think a bunch of pastors would be talking about it. No, no. I mean, this is really, even if you look at who he teaches and who comes to the MIT School of Management and, and who he's worked with in the past, it's companies like GE, right? It's companies like... Apple companies like like any any large multinational corporation is likely who he was thinking about. Yet, as you read through the entire book, it's like, oh, that that applies to the church. Oh, that applies to the church. That applies to the church. Which is why we want to break this down for you. So let's move to the next one, which is our favorite quotes. Okay, we were Man, fighting over quotes. We were fighting over quotes. Do you want to? So do we want to? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll start. I'll start. start. I know. I know you didn't use this one. In building learning organizations, there is no ultimate destination or end state; only a lifelong journey. The reason I love that one is because same like the church. I mean, it's not when you disciple your people. There's not a end state or a place that it ends on this side of eternity. Rather, we, we, are, we are continually shepherding, teaching, discipling, and helping our congregations grow in maturity in Christ, which really doesn't end on this side of eternity. So that's, that's, that's what I loved about this because a lot of times organizations are like, oh, what's the flavor of the year? We need to be a learning organization. Everyone read this book. Okay, next year, what do we want to be? We want to be agile. Oh, well, well, what about learning? Well, no, I mean, that, that was last year's flavor. So there's this idea in churches as well as in organizations outside of the church where, uh, and in our own personal lives, where we can check boxes off, we can be finished with things. But the beauty of this book is that, hey, and just like discipleship, there is no, there is no end on this side of eternity. 
Okay. Uh, I got a bunch, but we'll kind of go back and forth. You want to yep. do that? Yep. Okay. So um, I have the importance of the distinction between learning and non-learning organizations is solely that non-learning organizations are solely reactive, whereas learning organizations have the ability to change the underlying systems and create different behavior and events. In this way, learning organizations have the ability to shape their own future. Mm. So it goes back to that. Are you spending more time reacting than acting upon? Meaning, do you spend more of your time putting out fires, um, just reacting to whatever ministry is coming through the door? Uh, it, we can go back to Stephen Covey and look at seven habits and, you know, have a lovely quadrant on how you spend your time. <laughs> yes. And, you know, is this quadrant one? Is this thing quadrant one or quadrant two? What am I going to delete, defer, or what? Hey, guys, all of that. Yes, but what it comes back to is active versus reactive. Mm. And so I think that's super important because it, it basically says learning disabilities are tragic in children, but they're fatal in organizations. And because of them, Few organizations live even half as long as a person. Most die before they reach the age of 40. Mm. That is somewhat true of churches because churches a lot of time will get a good start and then die a couple years in. Yeah. We're, we're correcting that in church planting, of course, but um, I do think that that's the case. The other case is if you see churches that effectively die. You know, their best years were 40 years ago, and those were the good old days, and they're just kind of, drifting at this point in time. And so we never want to be in that state. Completely. Now, I don't know if learning disabilities in children are tragic. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm that just giving you the quote. <laughs> yes, and the book was written in 1990. So <clears throat> learning disabilities can be redeemed in children. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I'm I don't think it's quote, tragic. I, I'm just I'm just when I heard that I was like I know I know you didn't say that. But when I heard that I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I'd use the word tragic." Okay. Let's move on to the next quote. I I, I love this one. It's just not possible any longer to figure it out from the top and have everyone else following the orders of the grand strategist. The organizations that will truly excel in the future will be the organizations that learn how to develop or discover how to tap people's commitment and capacity, that's quadrant right there, to learn at all levels in an organization. I love this because there's this idea of, hey, I am the senior pastor. I went to the mountain. Here is the vision that the Lord had (laughs) giveth to me with the strategy and the strategy is me preaching and you (laughs) listening and you kind of, this is what we're doing, figure it out. And that's not saying that I'm not saying that that's how you lead your church, (laughs) but that's how a lot of churches have been led. And what I love about this is hey, great excelling organizations, healthy, growing churches are churches where the lead pastor and the leadership of the church say, hey, how do we grow people's commitment? How do we grow people's commitment to the mission that Jesus has given us? How do we grow people's capacity to live out and go and make disciples of all nations? And those are the ones that are going to be the most effective and the ones that multiply. Okay. I won't provide much commentary because this is a long quote, but it's so good. As with any discipline, developing personal mastery must be continual, ongoing process. There is nothing more important to an individual being committed to his or her own growth than a supportive environment. 
An organization committed to personal mastery can provide the environment by continually encouraging personal vision, commitment to the truth, and a willingness to face honestly the gaps between the two. Wow. That means honest feedback, folks, and coaching. Uh, Moving on. This core leadership strategy is simple. Be a model. Commit yourself to your own personal mastery. Talk about personal mastery. Uh, Talking about personal mastery, sorry, may open people's minds somewhat, but actions always speak louder than words. There's nothing more powerful you can do to encourage others in their quest for personal mastery than to be serious about your own personal quest. Learning in front of people is a lot of leadership. That was me summing up that. That's my commentary. Learning in front of people is a lot of what your job is to do as a leader. Love and that. Anybody on our team can tell you I learn in front of us all the <laughs> yes. time. Yes. All right. Uh, what are some similar books, Todd? Other other ones that come to mind on systems thinking, learning? Oh, I mean, uh, so right now I'm deep in the rabbit hole on systems thinking. So... I almost honestly systems thinking for social change systems thinking for social change is massive okay um that is one that I started reading I started reading another one just called systems thinking and I thought it was really good and I gave it to Daniel and he's not convinced but the second one I think he thumbed through as I was reading he was like oh yeah this is good so he's actually we're we're actually reading that one and we'll probably we should break that one down at some point um but this is like Definitely textbook stuff. So unless you're just a complete nerd, you may not want to do that. The fifth discipline, however, is it's your standard business book that's made yeah. for leaders and managers and organizations. It's accessible. It's accessible. It's totally accessible. So yeah, because there is science. Out. There is a science behind all this and and a lot of different books that break the 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 idea of systems. Even at the end of the fifth discipline, he talks about archetypes for different systems and the patterns that are prevalent in nature. So there there is that one. Uh, another one is, I mean, I I think we'd be remiss to to f- mention John Cotter if we didn't mention John Cotter. Yeah. Right with leading change, accelerate is his updated one. Everything else he's written on change. He, if you if you look at the eight steps, and you look at, is it eight steps? I think it was eight steps. Okay. So if you look at his eight steps, and you look at the way that he leads change and walks you through it all, I mean, it is systems thinking. He, the beauty of it is he's helping you think through systems without telling you it's systems thinking. It's a framework. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we do pipeline and focus on it is it's a philosophy and a framework. And if you haven't already picked up on it. When we're talking about personal mastery, that's competencies, folks. We're talking about universally your volunteers, leaders, leaders of ministry, and leaders of your church all understanding and having specific personal competencies that is are universal across your church. That is what we're talking about. And that's in part what this book is talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is this a summary, skim, sit down, or listen? I'm going to go sit down on this one, bro. Yeah, sitting a lot down. (laughs) Sitting down (laughs) over and over again because it's that good. (laughs) It is that good. But, you know, I wonder how much of it is just because we're both pretty similar with StrengthsFinder. Yeah. Right? We both have Maximizer and Strategic. And it's just, I mean... I mean, even what I do at Lifeway, why I wanted to come to Lifeway uh-huh. and and what I'm doing with Pipeline and Lifeway Leadership and NewChurches.com. I mean, I see myself as that number two guy 
for you churches do. don't have that that don't have that number two guy. Yeah. And through the podcast, through the resources, through our coaching, I mean, that's what we're doing. How so. can we be so similar yet so different? <laughs> we are. I know. It's, I it know. is weird. <laughs> it is. Okay. So uh, we, okay, my top five, I know that's a different book and we should do that book. We should. Um, my top five are strategic maximizer activator. Uh, ideation and command. Mm. What are yours? Maximizer, learner, intellection, developer, and strategic. See, and I, I covet learner. Mm. But it's you are a learner. Been, I know, which takes me off. It's probably within your top ten. It's got to be. Yeah, achiever is my seventh. Input is my sixth, and it just kind of goes on. My last one is restorative, uh, and that's in my wife's top five. I've had Relator. Um, okay, we got to do a whole episode on this. Let's do it. Yeah, we have talked about Strengths Finder probably like a couple of years ago, yeah. but yeah, we got to do another episode. Okay, right. so End let's move on. Next question. No, 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 no. We still have, I still have one quote that I have to do. It's the one we argued over. We'll talk about it later. We already, we're past quotes, man. Okay, fine. All right, how is this applicable to leadership in the church? Uh. Well, today's problems often arise from yesterday's solutions. Ha <laughs> ha, I already worked it back in. <laughs> so it's basically the easy way out is almost guarantees you long-term pain. Um, a lot of times the short-term cure is worse than the disease. Mm. So example would be in development, uh, choosing warm bodies over weekly volunteers. Oh, you don't understand. According to state law, we have to have so many people in our children's classes. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff like that that, yes, it is the reality. Um, but ultimately, you do not want to settle for a warm body mm. model, even in your children's ministry where you have to have that. It's okay if you have to have people that are floating and filling in. But ultimately, I've been at churches that have both. Like right now, I'm at a church that, for whatever reason, it has like those, uh, you know, the big Mercedes and Nissan vans with the families that have like, Nice. 15 kids. Yeah. I'm not joking. Last Sunday, I counted six of those. Are you serious? In the parking lot. My my family has four, and we're not, like, abnormal there. We're, yeah. like, normal people. So what I'm saying is this yeah, kid's ministry you get your is own massive. Yeah. yeah, that's next level, man. <laughs> it is. That's next level. Now, we are in, you know, Nashville, Franklin area where I'm sure some people are, like, borderline, do I really need that? And they're like, oh, I saw that. I have to have that. Yes. Yeah. I want to be the cool person. Um, but. What I'm the reason why I'm saying that is the children's people at this church, which is Grace, um, they're like obsessed with the children's ministry. They don't leave. They don't. Um, I'm I've tried to you know secretly slide in some of our curriculum. Yeah. They don't want to change. These are like almost Awanas people. You know how Awanas people yeah. are? It's kind of like okay. almost a cult. Jennifer Lyle goes to Grace, right? She does. And because she, she would... incessantly Instagrams how yes. much she loves the kids' ministry there Yes, and her and class. you better not try to change anything or take <laughs> one of those people out. That's awesome. They're though. always there. And so what I'm saying is that. I've been at two or three churches that are kind of like this. This is like next level of commitment. Mm. But what is really great as a parent is knowing, hey, I not only feel safe uh, dropping my kids off here because of the check-in experience, I also know that these people are committed to my children. And that is the difference between a weekly volunteer and a warm body volunteer. I love that. You can't build that sort of culture unless 
you are serious, right? Unless, unless you're, if, if you're all about going from silver bullet to silver bullet, right? Shortcuts to shortcuts, quick solutions, temporary to, 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 you know, temporary solutions to permanent problems. If you're doing that, you can't build that sort of culture. So even that's why while you were talking, Todd, I was, I was thinking about what we do with ministry grid and, and the fact that we actually have like a church who doesn't come to any of our pipeline coaching days has a tool, has the content, has what they need. They have what they need to be able to implement leadership pipeline because we have all our competencies filmed out. We have all our role-based skills filmed out as well, right? So a kid's leader talking about grace can go in and be like, okay, how do I lead? How do kids learn differently than students? They can see that. They can learn that. They can learn security stuff. And then they can learn how to grow in their competencies of vision, strategy, collaboration, people development, stewardship, right? They can they can grow in that. However, it's it's been fascinating to see the number of churches that have actually come through our coaching because they're like, hey, yes, Grid does have what I need, right? but... I want to see it as a silver bullet, right? I want to see it as a quick solution, as a as a as a as a band-aid to right. be able to develop leaders, but what we've walked now 3000 people through is a process to actually say, okay, yes, we are going to get there, but we need to actually work through the systems issues, these processes, these labels, these definitions and walk you through our process so that you can actually go out and implement. Was and it's not a digitized development that oh, yeah. that is a silver bullet. If you mm. think you can get some videos and show them to your people and it's done, that's ridiculous. No, this is not Netflix for your church. That's the last thing mm-hmm. that this is. So it is a systematic process and we definitely give you coaching guides to walk through and that's important. Um but let's stop doing yes okay all right all right so here's my next point so churches are systems churches are systems and actually this last summer i preached at a calvary at the calvary chapel global pastors conference in california which was fascinating because when i was talking to them a lot of them were like hey historically we are actually the most anti-system network slash denomination that there is Yet they wanted me to come in and talk about discipleship systems. So literally, I was talking about the influences matrix, the input output goal stuff from No Silver Bullets, and you know, I had I had forty five minutes to talk. Thirty five minutes of it was talking about systems, <laughs> and and biblical systems, you know, and then the last ten minutes I was talking about discipleship systems. Otherwise, they wouldn't have listened. They wouldn't have heard. So what I, what I love about this book, and I, and I'll read this quote here is. Peter Senge helps church leaders see the church and see their role and see what they're doing in relation to systems. Here's the quote. The tools and ideas presented in this book are for destroying the illusion that the world is created of separate, unrelated forces. When we give up this illusion, we can then build learning organizations, organizations where people continually expand their capacity to create the results they truly deserve, where new and expansive patterns of thinking are nurtured, where collective aspiration is set free, and where people are continually learning how to learn together. So that's what systems thinking is all about. And that's why this book matters and why it's so applicable to the church. Was that this book? That quote was from this book? Yes, it is from this book. Dang. I didn't know if it was from this book or your book. 
So that's what I was trying oh, to Oh, I wish that was from my book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So so uh, I, I think where I want to go from that is just the, the reminders that, you know, God uses systems. It's systems aren't unholy. One of the things I think are, is really interesting from the book is it says, hey, you know, researchers act, have actually identified about a dozen different templates which occur in nature and the natural order which can be um, applied to management theories. Though Through this use of systems approach, causes of problems can be dealt with rather than more superficial approach of dealing with the symptoms. Yeah, the appendix of this book is worth it. Because it they it's they they call them systems archetypes. Yeah. And they actually actually draws them out. I mean, that is literally the place that I keep on going back to. I was like, oh, so that's why Target didn't win in Canada. You know, that's why. And you see it all over. That's why this organization has shut down. That's why Toys R Us has now gone out of business. Oh, that's why that church folded. And that's why, I mean, you begin seeing it because these are natural patterns. Well, and that's what he talks about is it, it's really about identifying the natural patterns yes. and seeing patterns more than seeing just snapshots of problems. So mm. when we talk about being able to step back and see the forest for the trees, unfortunately, most of us step back and we just see lots of trees. We pick our favorite one or two trees and focus our attention and efforts to change those. But systems thinking finds greater benefit from helping us uh, really distinguish the the high uh, leverage things that we can pull versus the low leverage things that we can pull and really in the, especially the complex situation. So it doesn't mean ignoring that, you know, these things are really complex. It means organizing that complexity so that you can tell a story that illuminates the causes of the problems and how you can change those in a long-term way. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Now, uh, the the last thing that that I'd like to say here before we move on to our next two questions is there, there are critical issues, right? Yes. There are critical issues. And we <clears> talked <throat> about this even as we were preparing for this episode that every organization, just think about your church. Think about a conflict that you have or something that you're trying to change in your culture how you're trying to implement change. And in fact, that's what next year's Pipeline Conference is all about. Yeah. We're going to be focusing on change. So here... here secret. Yes. That, that was secret, Daniel. Um, but you've <laughs> Not anymore. Back. Yeah. That's why I'm reading so much on systems thinking right now as I'm trying to work on... Yeah, we're creating a brand new coaching day yeah. on change. So here, here are some five issues to think through as you reflect on why something is not happening the way that you want it to in your church. Number one, how to transcend internal politics. Think through that. Number two, think through how to localize power and authority. Three, how to create time for learning. Four, how to balance work and home needs. Five, how to learn from experience. And six, how to lead a learning organization. These are six critical issues. Obviously, going through them that fast, you're probably like, what does that even mean? I mean, that's what the book is for. If you're he smart, this you're quite going often. back 15 seconds right now. Yeah. <laughs> Writing it down. That like three times. For sure. So when you think about this book, as much as it's, as it's not written to church leaders, if you are the number two guy at your church, if you are the number one guy, if you are on staff trying to figure out how to lead up, this is going to be a great book to uh, take your next steps. Cool. All right. Next question. What are things churches should ignore from this book? 
And honestly, I didn't really want to ask this question because I love this book. Man, I mean, you <laughs> it's know, hard. It's hard for me. Here's the deal: there, most of what's in here is totally applicable to church. Like one of the quotes I didn't get to say is acknowledge family issues. Personal and family issues are treated with the same respect as business issues. This sends a signal that the organization walks the talk and talks the talk when it comes to family commitment. So that goes back to the balance of work and home needs that you mentioned as one of the critical issues. So it's not a heartless book. We think of the secularization of, you know, it's hard for us to separate the sacred and the secular. But the good news is Jesus came and it's all the same now. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no difference between the two. There the the temple was rent in two. Um and the sacred and the secular are uh are open for business or open for uh us taking all all things, all truth is God's truth, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So as you read this book, most of the things that you read, you if you're reading through that lens of the church. Light bulbs will go off. Yeah, I mean that's general revelation, right? I mean we see it in Romans. We 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 see just hey, in Romans chapter one. I mean you just take a look at at, at this and and take a look at okay, just look at the created order, right? Look at the solar system. Even in that talk I was I was giving to Calvary Chapel, I did some. I saw this TED talk on the mycelium, myce- mm-hmm. uh, the forest networks. There's kind of this mycorrhizal network underground in forests where a tree that might be in shade can actually grow because it's grabbing nutrients through the mycorrhizal network. Like the the mycelium is kind of like this, uh, it's like mushroom, like mm. the mushroom, net, which is why you cut off a mushroom in your yard and next year it pops up in a completely different area. Yeah. Because there are, it's, it's everywhere. The it's, network is uh, insane. Uh, so I grew up in an agricultural area. Yeah. Right? So there's this stuff called Johnson grass. Mm. Or bamboo as well. Ribosomes. Yeah. You can cut down Johnson grass on, you know, in one area and through the ribosomes underneath the ground, it can go uh, several meters before it pops up somewhere else. That's awesome. Cut it down once in the suburban context, folks. If you get Johnson grass in your yard, if you let it go full grown, it almost looks like corn. But it can go under one side of your sidewalk and come up the other side of your sidewalk. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, last question. What can you do this week in light of this book? Buy it and read it. (laughs) That's what you can do this week, Daniel. Well, earlier on, we both wanted to share this quote. You shared it. I'll I'll, I'll share it this time as well. Today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. And I would say this week, look at your problems. And just as an exercise, you can whiteboard this either by yourself or with your team or even ask your teams to think through this. Okay, what are the problems we're facing right now? What were they the solution for? When were they instituted? Oh, that's good. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because I was going to add that. Connections, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, no, no, Daniel, what you need to do is look at the solutions that you did that created. <laughs> So that's going to be huge. I mean, even just that in and of itself, turn this off, think through that. Even for five minutes, you're going to be able to see the systems, the connections, the networks that are that are that are already driving behavior and decision making in your church. How about you, Todd? Um, well, like I said, you need to you need to buy this book for sure. This is a buy it and sit down and read it. 
and then just kind of walk through the framework of the book and then take your team through it. So, and you may want to take your team through it segment by segment. I mean, it's broken down into the five core disciplines of learning organizations, personal mastery, mental models. And mental models is really understanding the mental images that influence actions. So Mm. you've heard us talk about words build worlds, and it's a big part of pipeline, and that's the reason why. It's because it's the mental images that you create through words that influence action. Okay, then it's build a shared vision. Uh, Then it's team learning, the capacity of a team to collaborate and produce results together, not in silos. Uh, And last of all, it's what we've been really focused on because we're both obsessed with it. Systems thinking, the ability to see the patterns of the change and how how parts affect the whole. Fantastic. Well, we hope you enjoyed this book breakdown for the fifth discipline. If you haven't listened to our other book breakdowns, be sure to go back into our catalog on your podcasting app or on our site, leadership.lifeway.com to hear those other ones. And once again, as you probably noticed at the top of the podcast, we have released and announced the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So if you want to learn more about the other podcasts that are a part of our network and to be able to support them, and these are like-minded, curated podcasts where we all share the same mission to serve the church and our mission of making disciples, you can go to leadership.lifeway.com slash podcasts. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. To learn more about how you can train leaders in your church year-round, visit ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com.